365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Riordan. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store. Hello and you're very welcome to episode 29 of Purple Psychology. I'm Marie O'Riordan. Further information on purplepsychology.com. Thank you for tuning in in 54 countries around the world and for sharing the podcast and the topics with people you know. Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, welcome back. Thank you. You want to start and debunk more myths about introverts and extroverts in the classroom and integration. Yes, this was yet another article I read. <laughs> Following on from your podcast. Yeah. Um, so, um, so this was the idea that all introverts don't get on well in classrooms. Now, I do work with a lot of people diagnosed with Asperger's and most of them would be very introverted and they do find school and class participation very difficult. But not all introverts do find class participation hard. So you certainly didn't. Correct. Okay, so, you know, there's obviously a little bit more to this. And I was thinking about the fact that really a lot of the suggestions in this article were around building a kind of um, a perfect presentation, like giving people time to prepare their work, you know, starting off in mini groups before you prepare and present it to the big group and so on. But for me, that was all a bit too perfect. It was all a bit too much like what I would expect an MBA course to be producing rather than a classroom. And really, if your class is functioning well all of the time, you should be having class participation all of the time and it shouldn't be such a big deal to have a segment of class participation that you then mark and grade um, and that everybody's been part of at some point. Um, and one of the keys to this um, is realising that actually class participation is quite easy up to the age of 10, but then it becomes more difficult. Why? Right. So I always knew that this was a key and that when you became 10, it was when you realised you were different to everybody else and you started to have all these little voices in your head of like, oh, I'm not wearing the same thing and oh, um, my dad doesn't live with us and oh, I can't ask that question, that's too stupid. And all these scenarios go through your head and it becomes a lot more difficult. And so between the ages of 10 and 15, so by 15, no one asks a class a question in class. Um, and, you know, that, that's quite common. And I'll, I'll ask you as well, did you sort of say you didn't get math problem? Oh, no, 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 no way, you know. Um, so what happens is, is our frontal lobe in our brain actually develops. And this is our sort of subconscious. And it's our, our little voice that talks to us and tells us, oh, you can't say that. That's ridiculous. That's too stupid. And so improv comedy actors actually have to learn how to turn off this part of their head. So I realised that when we played games in class and we took people back to their childhood somehow or another, regardless of what the subject was, and we did it slightly differently, that we switched off this part of people's heads and that they would, it was particularly important for what we were doing because everybody in the room didn't want everybody else to know that they couldn't read very well or they couldn't spell or they couldn't write that or, you know, and so on. So they had a lot more to hide from your average classroom. So if we could do it with these people, we could do it with anybody. And also the way that you 
sort of set up class participation in the sense that, you know, when we wrote directly on the tables and we put people into small groups in the room, um, and what was very interesting for me was that when the teachers went back into conventional schools, they then started using the SNAs to be able to do small group work in the class because they had an extra body floating around rather than just attaching them to one person. Our Irish listeners will know what SNA is. Can you explain it for our international audience? Um, it's it's a, the child support person in, in the class is usually assigned to one student with learning difficulties. Thank you. So they started using these people slightly differently in order to facilitate small group work and um, to sort of think outside the box. And so we used to do quirky things like for maths. Um, you really understand maths when you can explain it to someone else. So we created sort of speed dating maths where you... <laughs> Speed dating maths. Yeah. So where you'd, you'd team up two people and, and they'd sit opposite each other two long rows and then they keep swapping places. So one person would have to explain and then the other person would have to, to figure out what you were trying to explain. And you'd have to keep swapping roles um, in the different maths problems as you went along. And you keep swapping around very quickly. And that's class participation and the time flies. Talk about setting up a relationship with mathematics. Yeah, but like, there's all, like those are only some of the things I can think of. But um, another great one, um, when people people are unwilling to talk in English is speech writing because the easiest thing to write is your opinions. Um, and so if you actually watch a speech by some famous people and you see what they're talking about and why they talk about it so well and then you try your own version of what you really care about and then you'll, you'll have a problem shutting them up, not actually getting them to engage. That's great. You know, so there's all these little quaint things I can think of and it's not formalising a participation time, it's just setting up the environment so everybody feels comfortable in it. You've turned off the little man in their head that's made them really self-conscious and you've kind of thrown that all out the window and you've set them up in different ways that they don't even realise that they're participating in this way. All right, you are an expression developist and you have had some interesting observations about your own fascination with expression in your life. Yeah, I was very interested recently to realise that all of the artists that I like are either expressionists or um, futurism. Um, those two movements kind of went hand in hand. I suppose I probably prefer futurism, which had more of an emphasis on speed and technology. Um, it was a bit more like cubist in the sense, a bit more structured, but it's very much about expressing ideas in the real world. What I thought was most fascinating was that I not only like the artist, I also like the writers and I like the theatre writers such as um, Arthur Miller. And I really like his daughter, Rebecca Miller. I really love her screenwriting. And... Um, who actually lives in Ireland. Yeah. And I really like the dance people like um, Pinna, which I showed you really. Oh, just absolutely incredible. And yeah. not a lot of people know the importance of this when it comes to people expressing themselves all around the world. Yeah, so um, it, I thought it was really interesting. And I started to think about, like, there's a vast array of inspirations listed on my website in Purple Learning, the sort of places I take inspiration from. PurpleLearning.ie, is that the one? Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're, and they're very varied. Um, and one of the exercises that I always do with students that I'm fascinated that we don't do in school is to have heroes. Um, and what I think is really interesting is, is that one group of personalities will always have a vision and have a vision board and actually have heroes. Mm -hmm. And maybe you talk about that a little Sounds bit. Sounds familiar. Do you want me to talk about yeah. it? Yeah, I would have been... Okay, it goes way back, actually, because when... I was very, very young. My mother worked with um, some encyclopedia companies. We would have had these incredible posters 
that came with the child or the children's versions of the encyclopedias. So we'd have the adult set of encyclopedias, the regular encyclopedias, and then we'd have the children's version and these amazing posters. And I'd have them on my bedroom walls. And it became... Oh, it became a big part of my life and I started to develop it more. So as I got into the weekly and fortnightly editions of Marshall Cavendish and the science like Quest, Tree of Knowledge and collecting the posters every two weeks, I put them up on my walls, what was important to me. So I ended up having this gigantic wall in my bedroom which became my vision board and it was eventually featured on national television when I was 14 years of age for the entire country to see and by 15 I'd become an award-winning filmmaker. But I had set those seeds as a kid with the encyclopedias with my mom and the posters on the wall. Yeah, and it's it's something that we never do in school. Um, and the people who then are doing it and quietly tipping away at it feel really kind of like the odd one out. Um, so we, we study important figures in school, but we never actually ask people who their heroes are going to be or who their inspirations are going to be. And we never join the dot and make the next quantum leap to it actually meaning something to people. It's always just an arbitrary thing that you study. It's funny because... I don't want to get off-centre here, but you know the way some people will talk about the success of The Secret and the Law of Attraction, and you're a scientist, you have your own views on that. But some of the organisations and companies that I featured on my wall as a child, I have worked with those companies and organisations and countries in my adult life. Is there a correlation? It, there's definitely some personalities that it's really important to, to set goals. Um, it... It doesn't count with everybody, but there's certainly some people that need to set goals. And it was funny, like I, I worked with somebody very recently and like that, they they would have met key figures in their childhood um, and had key ideas and, and they would have really kind of like shaped what they wanted to do in the future and what areas they wanted to go into. And um, I just think it's a shame we don't project this out into the masses of school a bit more so that the people who are doing it don't feel so weird and so isolated doing it and don't tell anyone about it because it's actually a really big part of you. Would you encourage families and young children to have, I don't know, vision boards or vision walls or, or what's appropriate at that age? Yes, I already do that, and, and there's lots of different ways you can do it, like you can do it on technology or you can do it on a wall, and there's a whole series of list books as well, and there's a list book for children, um, listing out your favourite things and places to go and so on, um, and experiences and people you want to meet and all sorts of things like that, and I, I quite often suggest it for people. That's episode 29 of Purple Psychology. For other details, check out purplepsychology.com. You can also send your questions there as well, find out further information. Thank you for listening in 54 countries and thank you even more so for sharing the episodes with people in your life you know that can benefit from the topics. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much. 365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Riordan. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store.